there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and we're back to the quarantine films, those uh, films that both Tom and I have missed that were on the 2012 Sight and Sound list, or as we said, filling in the blanks, uh, putting the, what's that stuff you put in between the bricks? Mortar? Mortar, filling yeah, in the mortar, the mortar of our film knowledge so that we become a, uh, a solid wall. We don't want to fall uh, down. We don't want to fall down as film yeah. as as, yeah. as film and cinephiles. We want to keep, you know, the film plebs out. So we're building a wall, <laughs> and the film plebs will pay for it. So our kino styles, yeah, you know, will be kept preserved. And um, today we're going to be doing Robert Bresson's uh, Al Hazard Balthazar, um, in addition to some other conversations on his films. I'd really only seen one of his films before this in pickpocket mm -hmm. which i rewatched for this but i watched um three other of his films um in preparation yeah the mysterious disappearance of diary of a country priest is um is interesting it has it has stopped oh, it's disappeared yeah from, yeah i mean it's it exists on Russian websites. I mean, it's it's. I know. I understand. Creepy that. Russian websites that, and I usually would never like suggest um, doing that. But like, legitimately trying to like even rent this film is impossible. You can't. It's, I don't know what is up with. I know it's out of print at Criterion, but usually out of print stuff, out of print Criterion films generally don't mean that they are totally like removed from the culture. But this is kind. Of, I mean, that's the thing. Beau Travail, we kind of experienced something similar where it was impossible to get. I had to go to a library 50 minutes from my house to watch it. Um, but that was never like, that wasn't a Criterion movie. That was just like a, a DVD rights and then that probably lapsed and like nobody picked it up yet. So yeah, I'm not sure what happened here. Is Diary of a Country pre even like the DVD available? It's out of print. So you could, um, you could buy used copies, I'm assuming. Yeah, the, the uh, used copy on Amazon of, oh, I've seen that cover. I've always been intrigued by that cover of that particular um, of that particular DVD. Every time I've seen it, I've been like, oh, yeah. I, I like that, that style. I've never noticed that was that film. Uh, but yes, currently the one copy of Diary of a Country Priest is available on Amazon. Uh, for how much, Tom? How much do you think? Um, over 100 that would be correct. How much was on that credit card of yours that you you maxed out? Like a thousand dollars. Well, this would take up almost a fourth of that. It is two hundred and twenty eight dollars and ninety nine cents. Wow. Plus free shipping. Oh, so, that's nice. Pretty pretty good steal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if it's going to get a future release. Uh, Robert Bresson and it's kind of inter he had an interview with Paul Schrader, um, and I cannot remember what magazine it was uh, but this is like soon after this is right when um bresson was doing the devil probably and while taxi driver was making its circuits mm -hmm. um bresson kind of himself said like he didn't really care for diary of a country priest what i found interesting he found hmm. it too like simple and found the ideas to not be as complex as his later films were um, when when was diary of a country priest is what year Nine. I want to say 1955. Right? I think yeah. so, yeah. That's, that, I rolled my eyes when, when you said that. In response, 51, actually. 1951. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In response to in Bresson's feelings about his own movie, I rolled my eyes. 
Not because of anything you said. Oh, no, I, I figured. Yeah, um, okay. But no, today we're going to be talking about the number 16 ranked uh, El Hazard, uh, Balthazar, which came out in 1966. It's one of the three films, um, like uh, Tarkovsky, that show up on the Sight and Sound Top 100, the other two being Pickpocket and A Man Escaped. Hmm. Um, you watched Pickpocket in addition to this, mm-hmm. just off of my suggestion. Uh, like I said, it was the one I've seen, the one I really enjoyed. Um, I also watched Diary of a Country Priest. Thanks, Vlad, uh, for <laughs> awarding me the opportunity to see that. And I watched uh, Man Escaped on Criterion. Um, a lot of his works, uh, at least his early works, are available through Criterion. Yeah, Criterion has uh, a lot I, of stuff. I am very cognizant and like on it when I'm not drinking. This is odd. It happens. It happens. <laughs> drinking Coca-Cola. That's uh, that's yeah, I why I'm, I drink it. I think everything after Diary of Country Priest until Moshet is available. On, so five films I think are available on. Um, I know Moshet is. I think Largent is. Um, like, a Man Escape is on there. Pocket, Joan of Arc, Balthazar. Uh, not, yeah, Balthazar and Moshet are on. Yeah. I know that for sure. So that that middle kind of grouping of films that's often considered um, his best films. I think I think all six of them. I think those like f- all five of those are on the top two fifty of the Sight and Sound. I think he might have one other film that's on the, that's on the full Sight and Sound list. Uh, let me look that up. Uh, while I'm doing that, do you want to just do a rundown? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll do my best rundown here. Oh, I didn't bring it up. Um, hold on. Let me just bring it up here. This is bad. This is bad radio. I was like in the middle of it, and then I, and then I stopped as we were talking. It's something I found out interesting today. Did you know, speaking of radio, that Peter Sagel is an avid runner and actually wrote a book on running? No. I've started getting back heavily into running, and uh, I just because I'm able to lift uh, – and so I was thinking about I wanted to reread what we talk about when we talk about running. Um, by oh yeah, the Murakami. Yeah, Haruki Murakami. Um, and I just started reading because I'd also read Born to Run by a camera who it was. So I was just wanting to start getting back into reading books, and I realized that apparently Peter Segal wrote a really popular, uh, considered funny running book. Just talking about radio, I just thought that was a nice aside. I haven't um, listened to Wait Wait Don't Tell Me in a long, 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 long time. I mean, oh, but like I was gonna say. I, I would assume that they don't, they're not making anything right now. Um, I mean, it wouldn't he, be surprise me if they were doing Zoom episodes of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Yes. So Robert Preston has seven films on the top 250. Which seems um, crazy. Yeah. But next to him in second place are um, the Michael Powell, uh, Pressburger duo, Godard, Bunnell, and Hawks. Um, I am looking to see... Uh, so Breston has All Hazard, Balthazar, Pickpocket, Manescape, Mochette, L'Argent, Diary of a Country Priest, and The Devil probably hmm. on his list. Uh, most people kind of consider, what's funny is like how Schrader loves uh, Breston's um, the color. Like he seems to have like, not loves, but seems to have like a, an interest or adoration of the color films, mm-hmm. um, which is, is weird because uh, well, he's kind most, of most, most ideas are, are that they they don't work like lance i saw lancelot did i see lancelot i want to say actually i might have seen lancelot of the lake but i know lancelot of the lake is often considered um pretty subpar although it has a 95 percent apparently so apparently it wasn't well i feel oh, like this... michael haneke loved it well that's yeah okay 
I mean, we can add Michael Haneke to the list of people who, when they say, I really like Robert Breston, we're just like, well, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for <laughs> that sure. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's, that's, something, that's something we'll heavily discuss. Uh, I can, if you want me to do the rundown. Well, there's uh, just I'll not a lot. I mean, I there's it. not a lot of rundown here, is there? I mean, there's a donkey named no. Balthazar. And there's a and yeah. there's a girl named Marie. Marie. And there's a boy named Jacques. Um, Jacques. And they are on a farm that Jacques' father owns. And, and, and Marie and her father, they work on the farm. And there's this donkey that's born, and then there's a very symbolic baptism of the donkey as the movie starts. Um, and then the rest of the movie kind of centers on this donkey and its life. Surrounding it in its orbit are Marie and you know her father, and then Jacques, and then this guy named Gerard, Gerard who is apparently the devil. Um, yeah, I, I would I would at least say. Um, for all the opinions of this film, that, that Francois Lafarge's performance as Gerard is actually fairly solid. Oh, I don't. I, I mean, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, um, we will. <laughs> but I think by that statement alone, it should suggest where I sit on this film as well. Uh. Um, but yeah, so the donkey gets older, although it's not 100% clear how much time like passes between, not from the baptism moment, but from like when... The Balthazar gets reintroduced into Marie's life, and then yeah, it says the, the end years of the passed. Um, um, you get the idea she's a teen, like an older teenager by the end of it, so maybe a dozen years or so. I, mm-hmm. I would assume. Um, do we want to spoil the end of the movie? Let's not spoil I mean, the end of the movie. Okay, it, it ultimately doesn't matter. Uh, the film basically just centers around this donkey being passed around this town, um, and and kind of. You know, I, I read a lot of reviews of this, and, and you kind of see that kind of inviting um, has its passed around like the various seven sins, as it were. Um, <laughs> which you can see, I guess. Uh, you know, but but he ends up in the hands of Arnold, who's a drunk. Um, but who happens to own two donkeys? Yeah, and a circus. Yeah, um, he eventually goes to a miller. You know, he just goes around and around. And then he gets shot and dies. Oh, Mario, it's... I don't care if we spoil it. If he was such a saint, on why is he involved pod- in a smuggling? On this podcast. Room? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. He was just a no-good smuggler donkey. He could have He could have sat down. He was 100% an ass. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I... You know, in comparison to Mirror... Um... And why am I forgetting the first film we reviewed in this? Contempt. Case? Yeah, in, in, yeah. Sorry, in contempt. Um, this this one doesn't work at all. Yeah, you know what? We've had this conversation definitely um, about the Great Gatsby. I kept thinking about the Great Gatsby when I was watching this movie. And the thing that I always say about the Great Gatsby is that, like, or that people say about the Beatles is that. You know, I don't like The Great Gatsby. I didn't have fun reading it. I think it's fairly obvious. You know, maybe it's the time of life that I read it, but I've read it a couple of times, and I've never been one of those people that's like, yeah, I get it, The Great Gatsby. And it's funny, because I'm reading all these craft books now about fiction writing, and they're all, like, obsessed with The Great Gatsby. And then in my in my 
MFA program, I'm taking a, a, a master class on, on novel writing, and the one book we have to read is The Great Fucking Gatsby. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't I'm never connected at, on any level with The Great Gatsby, but it doesn't matter because it's The Great Fucking Gatsby. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what I think about it. I feel the same way about watching this movie. I don't get it. I, and I felt the same way kind of about Pickpocket too, and I needed Roger Ebert's like great movies review in his book to kind of like spell out for me what I guess I was supposed to be watching. See, but I don't get, I read, I don't get it. Either. I read, I, go ahead. I read his Balthazar. Sorry. I, yeah. I was, I read his Balthazar review. Um, Ebert's Balthazar review. And I still don't get it. It even seems like he's trying to like justify the reason why this movie is well, so, so preeminently loved. People keep referring to it as like a prayer, but I was like, if it's a prayer, it's not a very good prayer. You know what I mean? It wasn't a prayer that like, Got a lot of mileage. It didn't get anything done. People didn't feel spiritually cleansed or like emotional when they watched it. It's just a. It's just a collect. It seems like a, a a poorly put together collection of scenes that. So I know they want the donkey to be central, but it really feels like the donkey is like an ancillary character in this movie, which makes Marie and Gerard the main characters, and Marie and Gerard are not good or interesting or well thought out main characters like and i know took i'll quote from ebert's review about about brisson and we can kind of get into this is that like all brisson wanted was physical movement no emotion no style no striving for effect from his actors uh he brisson asks his actors to show nothing and depends on his story and images to supply um in this case he's talking about the fear in regards to pickpocket but i'm in in Hazard Balthazar, I'm assuming it would be like the reverence or, you know, maybe a different kind of spiritual fear. But I got no affect, but I didn't get whatever the no affect was supposed to be, or the what the story and the images were supposed to be representing in relation to the no affect. You know what I mean? It's very just um, like mono, monosyllabic, like a whole monosyllable film and there weren't the shots weren't even like i get it like i can see the influence on other people like you can watch you watch this movie and you can see like ivan's childhood like just clearly you know what i mean or you can see even just looking at the screenshots of diary of a country priest if you look at the screenshots you'd be like oh it's just like the movie first reformed was based off of you know what i mean you can just kind of get it but i don't i i personally don't see it in the movie no, I, I absolutely agree. In, in the sense that, you know, we compare this to the last film we kind of reviewed on, on this list, and, and Mirror, which kind of conveys that kind of same overarching view of spiritual aesthetic existence in, in a much more kind of abstraction. Yeah. Um, but it, it's done with, with a lot more clarity. And I know a lot of people claim that this film's difficult Alhazard Balthazar you know just just difficult emotionally um because you you get frustrated by the poor decisions each of the characters are making and difficult by its accessibility and I just I don't see that I I'm frustrated by its and you know there's a common claim of of you know it seems facile but it isn't but it is it's so painfully apparent um, the motifs they're trying to be painted here. And, and it is just too simple of a feature. Um, 
you know, there, there, there are certain moments where it kind of lingers. The camera cuts away from this this uh, attempt of, you know, a f- effect, emotional, uh, of just realistic um, aesthetic, uh, and instead kind of creates that, that motif or, or emotional vigor. Um, you know, the scene where Jacques and Marie are sitting on the bench and, you know, it cuts to the hand, or where Gerard's just looking at her legs mm-hmm. um, to kind of create this, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word right now, but I can't. Um, I had it all from Tarkovsky. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Uh, and, and going off the point that you mentioned with like Great Gatsby and the Beatles, I, I respect the fact that you, you can see the art, um, even though you might not appreciate it yourself or you just don't get it yourself, but you appreciate the fact of you see where the artists kind of who do appreciate it, who do kind of really respond to that, took that and and ran away with it and, and kind of created an aesthetic um, or, or motifs that you do respond to. Mm-hmm. My problem with this is this, you know, it's a 1951 film and I sit there. 66. 19, sorry, 1966. I'm thinking of. Um, Country Priest, yeah. Yeah, Country Priest. A 1966 film. And, you know, like you said, like I even, for one thing, you know, Ivan's childhood predates this. Um, oh, yeah. I wasn't even talking about Ivan's childhood, like, this being an influence on that. I just mean, like, Brisson, early Brisson being an influence yeah. on that. stuff. And if you're talking about, but I, I think mostly if you're t- talking about, um, you know, trans, uh, like transcendent filmmaking uh, and doing it with such audacity in the simple uh, like Dreyer's passion of Joan of Arc is just yeah 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 is that in spades, you know like that's something that like does it with with a, with a real visceralness, but without needing to, you know, create these kind of overarching thematic motifs, but does it just in a very kind of plain forward way, and so you you're left wondering like what what does this offer aesthetically. That films that predate it and films that postdate it didn't well, already give. I mean, so I mean, and I, I'm left thinking nothing. Right. Well, it's weird because you, if you, th- the the dryer comment is it really interesting because if you think about like what that movie had going for it in terms of, um, in terms of how the emotion or how the like the tone of the story was conveyed, it's conveyed in like those that weird set design. And then, like, Falconetti's just face. You know what I mean? So, which, mm. so in, 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 in that performance. Um, so there's no, there's no such set design here. It's very, fairly naturalistic. And there's no emotions being conveyed either. So, like, he's just going on. It's, and I, listen, I did listen to one interview on the Criterion channel about this. Um, it was from, like, a film critic who was wearing, like, a, you know, the the kind of film critic you would think would be like obsessed with this movie. He was wearing like a tweed jacket and I think he had like a bow tie on and he was in like a wood paneled, you know, sitting room or something. And he was just going on and on about how like, um, you know, everyone talks about, um, uh, why his name is just like right there, but I can't say it. Everyone talks about Brisson's like, Catholicism in relation to this movie. And he's like, oh, but nobody understands. Like, it's not that type of Catholicism. It's like a different kind of Catholicism. But like, but there's, like, all there is here 
is like a general Christian ideology. You know what I mean? But there's no real relationship to anything outside, like in the outside world. It, this is this seems like a a, a very per, a, an expression of religious devotion that's so personal that like a viewer actually can't attach anything to it. It's hard to even know where to like what to look for because it's got no there's no universalness to it. It, don't, no, it doesn't seem as such to me. Like I didn't. I mean, again, I'm not like I'm not I'm not a Christian, but I'm a spiritual person. Um, but I didn't get any kind of sense of legitimate spirituality out of this movie. I mean, is the donkey like also? Did he do fifty takes with the donkey to make sure that all the like emotion was gone out of his performance, so that even the donkey is as dry as Gerard is? Like I don't know, but that's what it and, seems. And- <laughs> that's what it seems like. And that's and that's why I agree with. Like it depends on like the aesthetic you're going for. You, you know, uh, Bresson kind of says in that interview with Paul Schrader too that like he's, you know, feels distance from God when he's at a mass because like when it's, when around people he feels further away from God, but in nature itself or, or in the or in a church he feels like the divinity of it. Um, and, and you you don't see that portrayed in the film. Beyond the fact that, like, when Marie's father dies, um, and the priest goes in with the bened- the, the secondary benediction after the mother moves the hands, like mm-hmm. it doesn't come for her at all. That's the only time that kind of like message is co- is conveyed. But beyond that, like you're left, and, and there's there's definitely a, a, a small a bit of uh, I don't want to say misanthropy, but a small bit of animosity towards human mistakes that's conveyed throughout it. But, None of it is really captured in a way that you see other filmmakers doing with, with a lot more vigor. You know, going back to Krakowski, you see, you know, in Mirror, you see, you see that 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 response to our, our Solaris, You see that response to a, a certain degree of spirituality with a lot more of a steady hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes off just as a very hollow experience in, in in the sense of you know you're carried through the life of, of this vessel that that doesn't really capture anything beyond you know maybe maybe the glimmer of town i see is in that opening circus scene where it shows the eyes of each animal and there's like this weird kind of silent understanding of of them being um just cogs in a in a machine Machine that they can't that itself can't control uh-huh. but beyond that like this is just a kind of this empty vessel that is just used to convey a story that's really not interesting no um and you know people go and will try to say like oh but you know Bresson's is like really capturing the minimalism that was necessary in you know post like world war ii um like like slightly, I don't want to say French neorealism because that's not the term, but you know, you know, as need as needed to be kind of conveyed, um, and the simplicity and the slowing down. But then you look at like Vic, you know, Victoria de Sica, with especially like I'd compare this to something like well, I'd compare Pickpocket a little more to like Umberto D. Yeah, and Umberto D is just doing a lot more heavy lifting. With, well, yeah, out doing a lot at all, and it, you know, it's it's a film that predates that as well. Well, uh, and I I I feel like um. Brisson's image of, of, of humanity is, is skewed um, 
a little bit. And, and uh, like, because of all those things you just said, like, I don't, it's impossible to, so unless you feel exactly the way he does, it's kind of almost, in, it feels, impo- he's made it impossible to kind of feel anything from his movies. And I don't think that you and me are necessarily like, we demand feelings, but I demand some kind of narrative arc here. And not in terms of like, I need everything wrapped up, but, the like the, the 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 character arcs here make no sense because there's no emotion attached to it, and then like they have to convey an emotion. You're just like, wait, but why? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I like I saw Pickpocket long ago. I really I really enjoyed it, but rewatching it, I, I kind of felt the same way in, in this kind of emptiness. And, and it came down to where I, I kind of came on two sides of Bresson, um, you know. Balthazar and Pickpocket for me now, just in the face of all these filmmakers I've seen and, and you know, putting in that mortar, as I say, mm-hmm. of, of filmmaking knowledge, like don't respond to me anymore because they don't have an authenticity to them. You know, comparing that to the other two films I watched of his, um, Man Escaped and Diary of a Country Priest, and I do enjoy both of those. I think Diary of a Country Priest is good. Um, I, I think it's structurally you know, recreated much better in First Reformed just because, you know, Paul Schrader leaves everything on the table. Uh-huh. Whereas Diary of a Country Priest kind of still has this pretense to it. But Man Escaped has this kind of solitude to it that it, it really heavily conveys solitude. And the one thing Bresson captures magnificently, um, and that's, you know, Man Escaped does as, as best as is, is sound design. Like, even in Nalhazar Balthazar, like the, the bells of the... Um, the sheep is kind of overwhelming. Has you know, uh, what the hell is, is that Schubert at the end that's playing? Oh, I don't know. Um, like the sound design mm-hmm. is solid uh, throughout his filmography, and Man Escaped like conveys that with the solitude of of being locked in a jail cell by yourself. And those felt much more like personal films. And the fact that Bresson, just from reading interviews he does and from reading some of his writings, comes off as this person who feels much more of an internal introverted sort of figure mm-hmm. who doesn't really understand how the world operates around him. And when he, but still is trying to live this like godly uh, life that is, I don't want to use the word nationalistic, nationalistic, that is uh, held to conviction. Mm-hmm. When he's he, uh, he making films like those, he's able to actually convey emotion. And you do see then like the fact that the guy had talent. Uh, when he's oh. trying to make these films that are, like thematically doing something that he feels are, are kind of more overarching, um, resoundingly abstract features on kind of his conveyance of the world, they they miss the mark because they end up being just too simple or too um, bereft of 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 ways doing. He ends up coming off as like a Gus Van Zandt in a lot of ways for me. Uh, to, to use a modern day interpretation, a like modern day kind of actor, right. or a Larry, uh, a Larry Clark, you know, um, oh dear. in that, yeah, which is a hard <laughs> one to throw there. But in the fact that he's trying to like remove as much of the auteur as he can from the film to create, like, to just really convey the emotion he's trying to do, mm-hmm. and it just ends up coming off as just amateur. Well, very, so he, yeah. Bland, bland. I'll, I'll go back to to Ebert. And so this, he's talking about pickpocket, but we're gonna, you know, we can. It's I think it's relevant to everything. Is that like 
what we see in Pickpocket's face is what we, and I, he means we I, as the viewers, bring to it. Um, which is fine. But I think one of the interest, one of the problems is that all those other directors that you mentioned, they give you something. So you can bring your own experiences to the film, but there's still a guiding emotional or narrative principle available to 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 cling to, to grab to. You know what I mean? I when I'm watching Al Hazard Balthazar and Pickpocket too a little bit, but although Pickpocket reminds me of too many things for it to be like a total barren like viewing experience, viewing experience, excuse me. Like light um, sleeper. No, it reminded me a lot of um, this book by Newt Hampson, um called Hunger. You ever read that book? It's amazing. No, no. But it's just about a guy who's in in um, Newt Hampson's Swedish, I believe, and he's just going hungry, like because he's an artist, he's a writer, and he's trying to write, but he doesn't have any money, so he's just starving. It's just about a guy who's writing and starving, but the the interesting part of that, which is not here in the movie, is that there's still a there's an emotional in pickpocket in, in pickpocket, but also in Alhazard Balthazar. There's an emotional force underneath all that stuff. You know what I mean? There's like there is like the vaguely religious leanings of of art as religion that's just inherent in a story like that. But there's Attached to that is all these extra kind of emotions. You know what I mean? Like he's lived a life and he's felt some things about it. I think the problem with these these Brisson movies for me is that like I don't get the sense that these people are real. I they just it seems like a it seems like a the most movie um classic films that I've 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 watched in a long time. You know what I mean? Like that you're so aware of its moviness. You know what I mean? That like Marie didn't exist before he just kind of like. You don't get the sense that she grew up in the twelve years. You know what I mean? You just get the sense that like an actor played a little girl and then, uh, an actor played Marie older. Like there's yeah, no yeah. there's no internal growth to the film, and it's the same thing about Pickpocket. Is that like? Ebert is reading all these things into like with the narcissism and like all the privilege and all this other stuff. I was like, I guess. I, I suppose so, but I don't like, and I suppose I can see it, especially now that I was told about it, but I don't, I don't feel it. And if you don't feel it, then you don't care. And that's, oh. that, that's you know, speak more to that because you've seen more of his movies. Like, you know, how does Diary of a Country, because I, I deeply, deeply cared about Ethan Hawke's character in First Reform. Did you care about the priest in Diary of a Country Priest? To a level, uh, it's it's hard to convey why, um, in the sense that it, you don't know so much if it's what Robert Bresson's doing because a lot of Diary of a Country Priest is um, has the same similar kind of purposeful evacuation of theme and of uh, pretense, mm-hmm. like, like an attempt at pretense. Uh, but you know, Claude. Uh, Claude Ledoux's um, performance, you know, is is just so overwhelmingly amazing in that mm-hmm. film. Um, like it's often, I think it's often considered like one of the greatest performances of all time. Hmm. I can't remember who would say that. Uh, <laughs> can't remember who said. No, I can't remember who said that though. Um, I'm sure somebody said it. Yeah, but like it's you, you get a, a, a solid kind of. And it was his first performance too. Um, 
you know, so you don't, you don't know if those are two competing things, but you care about it. You care about him. And, and I cannot tell myself whether or not that's, that's a mixture of Ledoux's performance and Bresson's attempt to do so, mm. or if it's just, you know, performance overwhelmed. Because that's the one thing, like the one, the one thing I'll say about pickpocket is, um, you know, Julie or Ju- Julia, Julia, Julie, um, God, uh, sorry, Janine, um, you know, Marka Green's yep. performance in that, especially at 16 is, is, is great. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like because he was so barren in these films at the very least, when people are putting in work, like they kind of rise above that. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think my issue with pickpocket and La Hazard, Hazard Balthazar, um, is the, and, and you will see this in like his interviews and his discussions with um, Paul Schrader is that he is so tactfully focused on removing everything from the film, like everything from his films in order to create this like simple blank slate. Like he talks in, you know, in almost rants about how he hates a camera sweeping you know, a camera moving mm-hmm. or, or how much like he, Kevin they, Smith they also to... hates it when the camera moves. Cry <laughs> because of, you know, that involves movement. Uh, uh. Okay. That's, that's an old Kevin Smith joke. Cause I skinny and healthy. Sure. Um, you know, are you comparing, are, are he later talks to Paul Schrader about pornography and about his frustration with pornography because it's removes the mystery of sex. And, 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 and so he became so, concentrated on removing everything from these films that what ends up happening is that the people that come to him end up putting all the work in there you mm. know like paul schrader like in his interviews like before you know, he prefaces this interview and i wish i knew which magazine this interview is from i'll look it up um in a bit uh but like he, he comes to this and, and and like says like oh I thought we were gonna get along fabulously like these two people who knew each other because I felt like I knew him, uh, and it ends up being like they're on completely different levels of their intention. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you, you look at that and you read, you know, Ebert's reviews of these films are are like even like Pauline Kael's sort of takes on this. Um, Where magazine is this from? I don't remember. <laughs> It'd be funny if you had a really elaborate dream about this. No, it's like I've seen it in multiple things. This is no, nobody's quoting what magazine this is from. Uh, but but so many people put all this work into these films because they're just really absolutely plain blank slates that you can put a lot into it. You can see a lot at Balthazar. You can see a good amount in in Pickpocket, even though Pickpocket is a little more of just kind of like a general feature, but you know, I don't, uh, it's from film comment, uh, from the September, October, 1977 issue. Um, but you're doing that work. I don't think that's Bresson's intention. Bresson's intent intention is to, I don't know if it's necessarily do something else, but it's not what people are taking from it. People aren't, you know, he's not putting the sensuality or this kind of like emotional, affect that people take from it and maybe that's the maybe that's, well, that's the good I mean, thing about these films or maybe that's the the i guess impressive things about this is the fact that they're able to be such a, a white canvas that you can 
but with a strong structural backbone. Like I would, I would admit that Balthazar and Pickpocket are structurally sound films. Sure. Um, you know, they, they have those moments of, of solid cinematography. Uh, you know, they have those, those shots that, that are, that are very basically convey that emotional affect, like looking at Marie's legs or, or the animals looking at General Lazar, Balthazar, or kind of like that, that final scene with, um, in pickpocket with, you know, Michael and Janine, like, like trying to like touch one another through the jail cell or just the shots of how they do the entire process of pickpocketing. And yeah, those, those are really, you know, there's, there's real skill involved in that. And the sound design in both of those films and, and further in like man escaped. Um, so there, there's a real talent there, but they're so barren on purpose of, of the self mm-hmm. that you end up if, if you come to a film and I think redo this often we come to a film waiting for intention to move us emotionally the intention of the director to move us emotionally um, and sometimes we miss the mark but often I, I kind of feel like relieve films kind of like getting what the, the director is coming because we're not coming in with our own pretenses like a, you know and this film Alazar Balthazar like I think I feel as though so much of its love comes from people coming in with pretenses and kind of taking from it what you will because you can take a lot from this film, but it's only if you go in there looking for it. Right. Well, so that's the perfect that's that's the perfect segue into what I wanted to say. In that, like you're doing all that work, but a lot of the work that you're doing has nothing to do with watching the movie. A lot of the work that you're doing is reading about the movie, and so the thing that you're going in there with is all of these ideas about what you're going to see in the movie and then you just i guess inherently see them you know what i mean but like i always do that after actually. i do it after i don't too. read i do it after i don't too. read about the movie until after i've seen but that's i mean so the so pickpocket reminded me of a lot of of novels um but alhazard balthazar reminded me a lot of like some of uh, of those um those bergman movies like cries and whispers and um, like from that, from through a glass darkly, that that whole kind of that era of, of Bergman films, and those, I still have seen through a glass darkly. So those movies, those movies kind of deal with uh, from a religious aspect some of the same things, but they have because it's a Bergman movie that has like a, a it has some emotion attached to it. You know what I mean? It's not just like you've said. Like it's not this just weirdo blank slate where you're just you have no choice but to go back and look and be like, what was I supposed to get out of that? Oh yeah. I remember that scene. I I remember when, you know, the baker's wife just let Gerard be a murderer and a thief for no reason whatsoever. I remember that time when like the police had Gerard in their custody. We're just like, Oh, you're a joker. Get out of here. And then Gerard tried to kill somebody, (laughs) somebody, and he's clearly smuggled all, all the perfume in France into Spain, I guess, is where he's smuggling it. I don't know. Those Basques. Over the mountains. Those Basques want France. Um, the Pyrenees, you know. But, like, I feel like if you're going to have... I feel like a movie like we're describing, this kind of blank slate, you know, vaguely religious experience, can't have plot. But you have a lot of plot in this movie. Like, this movie moves from point a to point z um and they're not it's not like attached necessarily but you know 
Gerard and, you know, Marie subsequently have these moments of having to make a choice and then making the wrong choice. Or they have these moments where they're offered, they're offered, um, a reprieve or they're offered some kind of, um, you know, uh, I don't know what the religious term redemption, Redemption, perhaps. And then they just like, they just squander it. You know what I mean? Um, which, which is, it's it's like a penance. It's like a small, right. Those, those little moments are indicative of character development, which is indicative of the presence of plot. But those come to nothing in this movie because of, I don't know. And that's why I think the inf- I think we both respond to the people who were influenced by Brisson more than Brisson, no, absolutely. Which I, f- I I find endlessly fascinating. Well, and I I think it's interesting, like looking at you know we we come back to Schrader because Schrader is like so informed by Brisson. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the ending too. Like I said, um, Light Sleeper and American Gigolo, and they both end almost exactly the same way that pickpocket ends um you know like looking for that salvation of a man's sins through through a woman mm-hmm. um or you know first reformed having so you know almost feeling as though he is redeemed a, in that final three <laughs> 360 degree shot that just goes on for five minutes but no, no. I mean, I mean, but in first reform, first reform feels like, uh, in some degrees, a a climate change remake of Diary of a Country Priest. I think it's probably intended to be as such. Or you look at Tarkovsky and his confidence, his constant references to being influenced by Bresson, and you see that. But these are filmmakers who I think don't give a shit about needing to remove all of the popcorn stucco of filmmaking techniques you know no don't, don't feel they, they just don't care they're gonna make the movie that emotionally they want to do uh, that 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 is gonna best you know create the the affect that they're wanting to do instead of like being so concerned with with style um you know and, and i'm not saying bresson's concerned with style in terms of well he's concerned with style, his style He's also concerned with like repression of style in order to, you know, not put in his own sensuality, sensuality in the sense of, of, of tactile. Yeah, per- perception. Uh, yeah. That he ends up creating this, this really simple feature that is just devoid of anything you can put yourself against, unless you're the type of viewer who's wants an experience where you can you know, fill in everything yourself. Well, that's you can use it just as a contentions for your own desire. Well, that's, I mean, so the, the director, so we have, we've mentioned Tarkovsky a bunch of times. We've mentioned Schrader. We've mentioned Michael Haneke. The director, when I was watching Alhazard Balthazar, I couldn't stop thinking of Bellatar because I just watched the Turin horse and I just watched Sentin Tango. And I just watched a man from London like fairly recently and he is co- very obviously like and so when also when you were talking about um how we should see Tarkovsky before we see a painted bird which i have to imagine has got to be coming out on on demand in a couple like either this week or next there's no way they're saving painted bird for like an actual release in theaters later in the year you know what i mean i'm assuming ifc just wants to get the get rid of this movie and then move on with their life um 
We should we should do a double feature painted bird and come and see. But that's totally off the topic. <laughs> but but the last podcast before we both <laughs> fall down into the throes of alcoholism and drug. Um, but Bellatar, we're gonna be like the Vogons from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, just laying on the ground, wondering about the point of it all. <laughs> oh, that'll be good. That'll be good. And then, like the week we do that, we'll just give up on life, and then you know, coronavirus will just like go away, and it'll be like, oh, yeah. damn it, damn it, we missed it, we fucking missed it. Um, but Bellatar. He takes all the Brisson influence that he could possibly get, and then he makes the things in his movies real. So even before you even know, uh, even before you are told or have an opportunity to get a sense of like the idea of 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 a horse in the Turin horse, you are shown, and then with music and then with like aesthetics, you are shown a horse. And you have a emotional connection to the ideas that potentially surround that horse and that guy riding that horse. Um, and the same thing is true of almost all seven hours of Scent and Tango, um, which I still have because I'm not allowed to return my library DVD. So I should just run them over to your house and we can <laughs> you can spend seven and a half hours watching it and we can talk about it. Um, I have not. Seen Saint and Sango, so we sense. should. They should. Um, it's on the site. It's on the site. It's on the site. It's right in the, in the lump that we're talking. About. Oh, it's thirty five or thirty seven. Maybe I don't remember. Um, but it's in. It's every shot is imbued with all of this emotion, whether or not it's doing anything, whether or not it is, has any narrative, like, um, ties to anything that we've seen before. You know what I mean? It's just the way that it's shot and the emotion that is packed into the shot um, makes the seven and a half. I mean, it's seven and a half hours. So you, it's, you can't watch it all in one sitting or anything like that, but it, it, you, it, it's you. Oh, wait, what? It's saying tango's at seven and a half hours long. Yeah. Seven and a half hours. Oh, four. Geez. You're, you're not lying. Wow. No, I don't, not going to watch that for a while. It's, it's <laughs> four. It's, I have four discs of it in my, in my room. Um, but yeah, so you f- you feel something. The problem with Alhazad Balthazar and the problem with Pickpocket, and I'm assuming if I watched any uh, like some of his other movies, is that I don't feel anything. I didn't care when that donkey inevitably met his fate. I couldn't give two shits. I would say Man Escapes is is the one film, and to a lesser degree, Diary of a Country Priest. But I don't know exactly what it is about Diary of a Country Priest, whether it's the performance or Bresson. Or uh, is it just the, or is it the attachment that you have knowing that Diary of a Country Priest, reformed. right? Yeah, exactly. But Man Escaped having nothing really attached to Man Escape, and I don't know if it's just like from a technical standpoint, Man Escape really captures like solitude well hmm. and captures like confinement incredibly. Like it's it's kind of like it feels as though it's 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 a loosening of the that he had to like remove all motifs or, or pretenses and try to bear everything down man man escaped actually feels like a like an attempt at a feature that is like trying to convey emotion through you know the the, the text tactile senses yeah it's it was a weird one mario and I, I the other thing that i kept coming back to was like um there's like an intellect uh, so what is it like 
Because for me, it seems like an intellectualism that never materializes into like an emotionalism. Um, it's just like stays intellectual the whole time, and I don't really care about that. Yeah, is no, how the two movies seem to me. Um, yeah, and, pickpocket, pickpocket a little less so, but but Balthazar always remains an abstraction because of its purposeful detachment. Mm. Well said. Well said, Mario. Thank you. Is now the time to talk about Trolls World Tour? Oh, right. You saw Trolls World Tour. <laughs> um, I know Bo Trevi made the top 100. Good job, Bo Trevi. I know. I love that fucking movie. I think in another like 10 years, if that gets a Criterion release, I'm so... Weren't you so... I mean, we'll talk about Trolls World Tour in just one second. Weren't you so sad to see that Marriage Story is yeah. in the July... And I was like, come on, man. Marriage story? We have a fucking break. Well, how much, I, I have to assume that Netflix is throwing some money. Criterion's way, right? Why? Well, because isn't um, Irishman getting... Yeah, Irishman's getting a Criterion. Is it? Too. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Come on, man. <sighs> Thanks for going to get Extraction. Extraction's going to get a Criterion. Really. That sucks. But, I mean... I guess six underground Irishman makes yeah <laughs> Spencer confidential Irishman makes a little bit of sense I guess because <laughs> they just released all those shorts so maybe they have a a, a Martin Scorsese thing going on where they're going to release like maybe they get silence too maybe they um, do like a double disc like silence release oh, or something they're adding American Factory and Atlantics as well I mean Atlantics I love but American Factory has got no business being a Criterion film even before, bro, yeah, no, remember when we were doing our Claire Denis episode and we both got very excited because it seemed like Chocolat and Beau Travail both got picked up by Criterion? Or at least that's well, what they, Reddit I think they said. Have. They're just sitting on them. Don't I wouldn't sit be surprised if they get thrown in Criterion Channel just as like a release. No, we need. We all need our Beau Travail. You've that's a, and that's. There's not a more emotionally reserved movie than Beau Travail, but like it's. Um, it's reserved emotions are in and of themselves an emotion. Robert Brisson. All right, get it together. All right, we'll say I will say this though. Uh, like all Hazard Balthazar is better than better than Marriage Story for me. I just, I don't Maybe. care about either of them. I don't know. I'm also getting the full collection of the Bruce Lee films. Though, Which is that. fine. That's like what Criterion's supposed to do. But they're not supposed to release Marriage Story. Especially with like the movie poster as the cover. All right. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if like, like one of the special features like, on Marriage Story was just Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig screaming at each other? Well, it's funny. is because like, you know, the releases that are coming in the two months before it at least makes it like... Grand Budapest Hotel had to eventually show up in Criterion because, like, the Wes Anderson thing. But sure. You get, like, me and you and everyone we know getting it, and that kind of, like, weirdly makes sense. Me and you and everyone, everyone we forgot. know makes perfect sense, and I'm very happy for Miranda July. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Wildlife getting a release on Criterion. Makes a little sense, too, because it's so obscure. Yeah. But then, like, you know, you get Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Cameraman, and Come and See in in June and then July is just like Bruce Lee war of the world's marriage story. You get taste of cherry taste of cherry is the one in July that makes sense. Do you think that that is a, um, and this is, you know, based on nothing. Do you think this is kind of a, um, coronavirus list? 
Like it's no, no. it's no, I don't know. Like you know, Bruce Lee marriage story, all things that um and War of the World, the 1950s or World of the Worlds. But that's you know, you could sell that maybe, right? Maybe. I don't know. Um but let's get back to the Even Portrait of a Lady on Fire is kind of a weird release, but No, but that's that makes sense because it's, it's um what I suppose it would make more sense if they were releasing all of her movies. If they were releasing like a dis a, a collection of her first three movies and then Portrait of a Lady on Fire, that would make more sense. Um, but anyway, although I will say I will say this uh, just really quickly before we get into Trolls World Tour. Yeah. Uh, me and you, and everyone we know has one of my favorite lines in a film ever, which is um, whether the two kids are talking about. Um, love and whatnot mm-hmm. and or not love but they're talking about like sex they're trying to like sex and they talk about a you know i'm gonna poop into your butthole you're gonna poop back <laughs> in the mine and we're gonna it's gonna be pooping back and forth forever yeah 20 no 19 year old 20 year old mario thought that was the funniest goddamn thing in the world yeah probably is probably is probably still is funny um, yeah, there is no such there is no such lines delivered in Trolls World Tour, Mario. But oh, that's unfortunate. I will just say, for the record, uh oh, so they moved the Painted Bird, Mario, to July. Really? They moved it to Definitely July. Wow, that is fascinating. Oh, it says on disc streaming July seventeenth. So, oh boy, it's not going anywhere. So it's actually going to get a uh, direct-to-streaming release, huh? Yeah. Well, it looks like we get to do some Polish cinema. We'll have a special guest for the episode, actually. Yeah, we'll we do. A, but a we'll... Doctorate. We're going to actually have a doctorate of, of film um, studies in uh, Eastern European film on for that episode. So we'll spread out Come and See and Painted Birds so we can live to see what world looks like out you know after the I think, I think come and see might be a might be a may release we'll see how we'll see how the next couple of weeks goes in in this coronavirus world and um things start getting better maybe i'll maybe i can handle come and see so it's funny mario so i have um i looked up the painted bird i've got the painted bird on rotten tomatoes right now with the july 17th right above the painted bird is an ad for trolls, trolls world, world tour, tour. <laughs> um it is not terrible i was listening to a uh, an episode of the Big Picture, one of the, you know the Ringers movie podcast, and they were saying how terrible it is. It's definitely not terrible. It is. It doesn't have, it doesn't have bad reviews, right? It's, it's, it's no, like, it's got it's my, mediocre. Yeah, it's like it's got a seventy something whatever on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's way better than the first movie, which is abhorrent. Um, but Trolls World Tour is fun. If you have kids, if you don't mind listening to terrible music. Um, are you saying that you don't want to hear this anymore? I mean, I think the thing that sucks about it is twenty dollars to rent. No, I I need more than this. I need I need an actual review of Trolls World, Trolls World Tour. I, I can't just. I'm not going to accept. It's fine. It's. <laughs> I want an actual, somewhat thought out um, okay. analysis so of here, Trolls World I'll Tour. I'll go. You know what I'll do? I'll go voice actor for voice actor. Anna Kendrick. As always, nope, nope. That's this isn't gonna work. I need like an, an analysis of what work of why it's fine, of okay. what makes it in particular fine. Okay, but I'm I'm doing that. I'm gonna do it in the voice acting. Anna Kendrick, as always. Did you see No? You saw Noel, right? No, you didn't, didn't see Noel. Okay, so Noel is like 
Disney Plus's original Christmas movie that's like starring Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick well, yeah, is I, in I, it. I was going and to Barry, see it and then I heard or, that, um, um, what's his name? What's Bill Hader? Bill I heard Hader. Bill Hader's only like only in two scenes. Of yeah, it. he's in like nothing. I, uh, just after I found that out, I was like, I'm not watching that movie. But it's gonna be a lot more Bill Hader. Anna Kendrick gives like a hundred and fifty percent for no good reason. She's just, you know, gives everything she's got to this movie. I haven't seen a lot of Andrew Kendrick movies, but um, she gives everything she's got in this movie in Trolls World Tour. Justin Timberlake, for some reason, seems like he's phoning it in, um, like a lot. Um, they've also saddled Mary J. Blige with two of the worst lines in, like, film history, um, which are just, like, total exposition. But for exposition for things that even... Four-year-old kids would not need explaining. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the cast list of this. Is this what? The, what is this movie about? So this movie is, is this a, about trolls that do music. So it's the trolls. Do you remember? Did you see the first trolls movie? Nope. Okay. So I, all I remember from that movie is I got a feeling. Yeah. So this movie Ooh. decides that there's a mythology to the trolls and that there's more than just one kind of troll. I'm just going to keep talking, and you can pick... Whenever I you start hearing me, you can pick it up. There's more than one kind of troll. So there's pop trolls, and funk trolls, and techno trolls, and uh, classical trolls, and country trolls, and then rock trolls. And then the rock... Tr- and each of these trolls were given a string that kind of, like, governed symbolically their sound their trolls sound and the movie revolves around the idea that the rock trolls that are fronted led by queen barb who is voiced by rachel bloom who i thought was very good um wants to get all the strings and unite all trolls all species of trolls under uh under the umbrella of rock um and then Poppy, because she's a pop troll. Do you know who Poppy is? Poppy's Anna Kendrick. Okay. She is an idiot. So she's the only one who doesn't see that the rock trolls are going to like eat and destroy your the, all the other trolls' lands to unite them under rock. And so she like tries to help her, and then she doesn't help her. And then the funk trolls, which are uh, code for the black trolls... Um, George Clinton in a, in a Parliament Funkadelic looks like they. Which is which is funny because the the funk trolls uh, live in a spaceship, so it's you know the mothership, which is you know for all you George Clinton fans makes perfect sense, um, but yeah, so that happens and that's the story of the movie, but everyone seems fairly disengaged except for Anna Kendrick, um, Sam Rockwell's in this movie for some reason. I feel like yeah, I, saw that. I feel like Oscar winners should probably like, you know, say no to stuff like this. But I'm a, I'm hoping he got paid seven figures to say like ten lines total and to sing one song. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for Sam Rockwell's sake that he got seven figures to do that. Um, I'm glad to see that James Corden plays a fat character again. That's exciting. Well, he was in he was in the original movie. Um, I just think, so if you think about it too much, you're just like, well, none of this makes any sense. But if you watch it, you're just like, that's fine. 
It's not the end of the world. I thought Frozen 2 was like worse than Trolls World Tour. Uh, Frozen 2 made less sense, and the songs are more offensive than Trolls World Tour. But again, Trolls World Tour didn't write their own songs. So, it's kind of hard to say. Uh, sorry, I lost you. In fi- I said fine is not good enough. Did you hear that part? I did, and then I finished. Um, okay. Yeah. It's it is what it's better than Frozen Two. Well, I guess my issue is like there are perfectly acceptable animated films geared towards children, and I always go towards Megamind as my example. Mm-hmm. That uh, Will Ferrell like super villain movie yeah, yeah. ends up becoming a superhero. Like that movie actually has like a little bit of like character and a, and a little decent like uh, bits of cleverness to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just. I don't know. Like I, we talked about this last week with Onward, um, and a lot of other recent animated films is like there was like this real patent acceptability, and like Klaus, um, there's a real patent acceptability of fine, of just painting all the numbers. Oh yeah, and yeah. just going with the flow, and people just being like, you know what, that's acceptable. And I don't know. I'm. I haven't seen Trolls World Tour, so so, I, so I'm not oh, gonna, you know. It's fine. Gonna... It it meets all of your standards for fine. Yeah. Does it meet my standards for fine though in animated films? No, no, no but that's I what mean, I'm saying. Just... Is that you? It's 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 a time passer. It's not like it, it is nothing else. My major issue is that animated film for the past like half decade has been stagnating with just fine, and like I, I think other kind of genres um, that are perfectly okay with just being fine. Um, even to, to like some degrees, I mean, I guess you can't really use superhero films because there's like a comic book film because there's been a big resurgence of that. But like action films, even though I don't like them, like the John Wick films or some of those, like the Raid films, um, which I do like, are, are trying to reinvent things. Or horror films, which are just like base genres. Like you're getting films in those these genres that are trying to do something different, no matter how much they still marry themselves to the genre constructs mm-hmm. there's at least an attempt to evade it animated film and, and children's movies in general that i i've come across over the past half decade um really especially animated film like nothing's trying to push against it like outside of spider-man into the spider-verse uh which i would lean more towards saying is a, a superhero film than just you know a animated Mm-hmm. just the kind of like kids animated genre um none of these things are like they're just doing the same thing over and over again and, they, and it's coming off as though you know they're, they're feeling so painfully manufactured um and so painfully like stilted that's a real bummer well so it's a real like i don't like i'm not a big kids guy as mm-hmm. we know but like I, I think there's there's a real lack of respect for what kids know, and there was like a real push early part of the decade. You know, well, in the films on your list, Coraline, which which I'd still say is, is is a film which works with adults, but is for also, but you know, is is a kid centered film. Or, or some of the Pixar films, even the ones I don't particularly love, like Inside Out or Up, are at least trying to do something different even mm-hmm. if they have a lot of those genre constructs yeah, yeah. but they're trying to do something different and i feel as though the past five or six years like there hasn't been any of that well i think the two movies on my list last year uh Bunuel, um and um 
what's it? The Sea of Turtles. What is it called? Um, sea of Turtles. Sounds yeah, like. I can't remember. Um, that's what it was was great, but it's not a kids movie. You know what I mean? It's just it's a, it's a movie for adults that just happens to be animated. Well, yeah, um, like I um, Sea of Turtles. Like I lost my hand. You know, uh, yes. Uh, um, in a way, is this so? Yeah, Bunuel. So my three movies: Bunuel and the Sea of Turtles. Um, I lost my hand, and then Away. Or are, I lost my body. I lost, I lost my body. My, sorry. Um, are the same kind of thing where they're they're animated, and I guess in a way is should be for kids. I mean, it, Away is just a video game, but like in like a, in reality, you know what I mean? Where like you don't have to play it, but it's just but it's beautiful, and it's it's it aligns itself more to the mystery behind or the mystery that like a Miyazaki movie kind of traffics in than it does like a shitty Pixar movie that's like this is these are. This is the plot, and these are the stakes, and it will definitely be resolved by the end of the movie, like mm. in, in a perfectly legible way. E- even though Coco is tough, and that you come out of that movie knowing that your whole family is gonna die, you know what I mean? Like it, it resolves itself in like a perfectly in a perfectly wrapped package. Um, I think Spider Verse, and then Away are movies that don't really align them, that don't wrap themselves up. You know what I mean? Spider-Verse kind of feels like it wraps itself up, but it in reality, it doesn't wrap itself up. Because guess what? His uncle was a piece of shit, and he got shot in the in the back by, like, his his piece of shit by boss. By Liev Schreiber. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because... Ray it's fu- Donovan. It's funny that you mentioned the, um, the superhero movie thing, because I felt we just watched... Far From Home, Spider-Man Far From Home. Did you see Far From Home? I did. Okay. So I kind of felt that way about Far From Home where I was like, this movie is fun. This movie is a lot of fun to watch, but it literally means nothing. And they just spent the whole last year before that got released trafficking in meaning. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Infinity War and Captain Marvel and Endgame all have this like really distinct power to them even though and black pa- and black panther and black panther to us to a, to a different extent but like yeah but in in the same kind of way um where far from home was like well far from home never happened like nobody would care you know what i mean because the plot in far from oh now everyone knows who peter parker is it's like yeah but guess what everyone knows who all the avengers are everyone knows like like tony stark is iron man and that Captain America's name is Steve Rogers and like all this other stuff. Everyone knows all of this they're, they're information. They're often surprised that that Bruce Banner is the Hulk though. But you can't be surprised anymore because now Bruce Banner and the Hulk are the same person. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a joke that didn't but land. But what I'm saying is that like who cares that like now at the in the in the credit sequence the second credit sequence or the first credit the first credit sequence of Far From Home that like everyone knows who Peter Parker is that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Nobody cares. Who cares? This isn't a Batman movie. Everyone knows everything. Remember, there was a spray-painted mural of Iron Man on the side of a building. Nobody cares. And I feel like that we're that way with like lots of movies. And I feel you know there's a little bit of this with Al Hazard Balthazar. Not to compare Troll, Trolls World Tour with Al Hazard Balthazar. Do it. But what's the point of this podcast if we can't make comparisons like that? Is that like? You're set. You you know you got it. You put an hour and a half movie in place. That's uh, the black and white photography is excellent, and there's all these religious 
themes running underneath it and there's like a, an apparently good performance and blah, 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 blah. But after it's over, if less you're totally into everything that that filmmaker's pitching, you say like, all right, who cares? Who cares? doesn't matter. And that's like, Trolls World Tour is interesting because it doesn't make you feel bad for not caring. Like, maybe, you know, you never said, maybe I should care more about this. You're just like, no, I don't care about this. And it's a little bit, so because Onward is the same, but it has that guilt attached to it. Because there's a dead dad, you're just like, you feel weird saying like, I don't really feel anything. I didn't really care about that dead dad. My frustration, I think, comes in the fact like after... Like seeing Alzar Balthazar, at least like I was like, oh, this is something that fulfill like fills in the gaps that of things I have to see. Um, my problem with like Onward was after I saw it, I was like, I could have done other things with my time that would have <laughs> been a better use of my time. Like I I felt anger towards that film because it felt like such a waste of my time. See, but I like, felt I haven't even yeah I haven't even like given like Frozen a look because like Frozen two I should say a look. Uh, you don't because do I not know do don't do it, Mario. Well, because I know the reviews say, like, oh, this doesn't do anything. And it's like, yeah, I'm just going to be – I didn't like the original Frozen anyway. Um, but I just know that I'm just going to get angry. If you want to watch a movie on Disney Plus that will not make you angry, watch Timmy Failure. Timmy Failure is great. Is that a, is that a movie? Yeah. Is that, like, what's that about? It's on Disney Plus. It's about a kid who, like, runs a detective agency. Um. But it's got Wallace Shawn and Craig Robinson, and it's really, really, it's really, really good. Why didn't you? Why did you review that one? I could. I would, you, you should watch it, and you'll like it. Sure, I'll do. I'll do that, and we can we can have a small little talk for next week. <laughs> Speaking of next week, uh, since we have no new features coming out to talk about, I guess we gotta continue on with our. I don't know. Do we want to continue on with the quarantine thing, or do we want to attempt to get back to the list? Um. Well, do you want to do one more week of the quarantine? Do you want to do come back to the list? Do you, are, are are you not prepared for come and see? I I say give us a few weeks before come and see. I I'm going to be very honest with you. I because it's on Criterion Channel right now. After I watched Alhazard Balthazar and after I watched Pickpocket, I was just like, I want to see. I want to see what's going on. So I just kind of like did that thing where I opened it up and then I scrolled through it. Um, I don't. I need to watch the whole thing. Because there is some stuff going on there that seems banana town, and I want to I want to find out how so. Okay, do we want to do, want to do come and see next week? If you think you're up for it, I can I can do it. Is that does it show up on the? Is, where's where, it's is not on the list. list. So our other option was in the mood for love. That's true. We did talk about that. Um, come and see was on director's top one hundred. Of the BFI, it wasn't. It was on. Oh, okay. I think it was. Come and see is actually on. Is it? Yeah, come and see is actually on the director's list. Um, from yeah, no, it's on the director's top one hundred. So our conceit works. It does. It's not on their overall top one hundred, but it is number thirty on the two thousand and twelve directors list. It's pretty high. Uh, sight and sound. Um. Right. So I check to make sure that is true. I'm looking right now. Yep, it is. So, you know, we've been okay, usually yeah. looking at the critics list, uh, but this would be the director's list. But, you know, 30 is pretty high. Yeah. Man with a movie camera is way further down on the director's list than it is on the um, 
normal list. Oh, really? Actually, looking at this, Alhazard Balthazar oh, is still is is further down as well. It's um, at twenty one. On the director's list, sixteen. Yep. Uh, the director's list is still topped is topped by Tokyo Story. Well, that makes sense. So you know what? The director's list is probably is probably better than the. Uh, maybe the directors know what they're doing more than the uh, critics did. Perhaps. And Man Escape is way far further up too. So, they potentially had a, a better sense of uh, of cinematic integrity. So yeah, let's do let's do come and see next week. All right, Mario. If I'm just silent throughout the entire review. We'll we'll know why. <laughs> I'll definitely bring back the beer for next week for that episode. Yeah. Or, and especially during while we watch it, watch um, watch watch me watch it and be like, eh, "Yeah, really wasn't that bad. It's fine." Well, I think it's gonna, you know, again, after seeing certain movies, I'm not sure lots of movies could be considered that bad. Like, I'm gonna be honest with you, House of Jack built kind well, no, of I, I like, meant, yeah, House of Jack built kind of made it so that other movies are just like, meh, it's okay. He didn't shoot two kids in the head. And then prop them up with sticks and then make their mother feed them cake. To be honest, though, like, I would say Breaking the Waves is more the Von Trier movie that makes me go like, well, oh, that movie's not so bad in comparison. But I'm, but, uh, see, Breaking the Waves doesn't have that effect on me because it has, and again, this will attach this right to Alhazard Balthazar. There's all this religious, you know, meaning. There's this religious, like, allegory attached to it. But it's attached to it with just bracing imagery, you know what I mean, and with with a performance that is like has to be seen. You can't even really describe Emily Watson's performance in that movie. Um, so it's not just nothing, you know what I mean. It's it's mm. all all the stuff that he's trying to cover. I think in Alhazard Balthazar are is is covered not similarly, but like you know. The, the names of the themes are covered in the same way are, are, are also covered and they're covered in a way that you can never forget that you saw them. Um, I've already forgotten most of Alhazard Balthazar. You know, it's the only thing I remember for Alhazard Balthazar and interestingly, it also ties in the pickpocket. Uh, so Jean, uh, Jean and Jacques are brother and sister in their life. Hmm. And Jacques is the father of Eva Green. Oh, I did not know that. He became a dentist later in life. <laughs> Who shocked it? Yeah. Good for him. Good he for Jacques. He did not become an actor. Most of the people in um, Alhazard Balthazar did not continue on acting. Hmm. For the most part. Yeah, let's let's do Come and See, you know? I think I'm also going to watch uh, in in response to Obayashi's uh, death this past week. House? Uh, house. So maybe I'll do a quick little thing on House. Let's watch House. I'll watch House too. Okay. Double you know, feature, are, yeah, and then uh, maybe I'll, I'll Edric will finish up with a Timmy failure. Yeah, do Timmy, Timmy failure. failure. You'll love it. <laughs> Cleanse your palate with some Timmy failure. I'll do some come and see first Timmy, Timmy failure, and then I'll go to the weird. Well, I'll probably watch House tonight. On the list of Wallace Shawn performances, Timmy failure is going to be going to be on there. Well, I mean, it has to be if you. If, 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 if you're my, going from like the worst Wallace Shawn performance to the best. My dinner with Andre, Princess Bride, Timmy Failure. There it is. But well, I don't know about that. 
seems like you're leaving off a lot of a lot of a lot of movies there. No, no, no. Oh, are you saying Rex and Toy Stories? No. <laughs> I think what you're leaving out is oh man, it it when I see it, it's gonna pop in my head. But every time I see Wallace Shawn, I always think of some movie, and it's not Princess Bride. Oh man, what movie was it? What movie was it? This is gonna bug me. Clueless. Yes. It's Vegas Vacation. Oh, why? <laughs> he has like such a great scene in Vegas Vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it's his best performance, but he him has the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's the he's a dealer. Yeah, he is yeah. great in that. He makes great Every time I see Wallace Shawn, I always just think of Vegas Vacation. The yeah. the fourth film in the great quadrilogy of Chevy Chase. I'm gonna be very honest Asian with you. Films. I remember like his faces more vividly than I remember like anything he's said. Or anything that Chevy Chase does. Yeah. yeah. No. Well that movie's terrible terrible. That movie's awful. Well that's the movie where they all end up with a new car. At the end of it? Yeah. Yeah. Ethan Embry is really good as Rusty at, at gambling. Yeah. He tends to be an adult. Yeah, that movie's that movie's bad. That that's a weird series of films. Like there's there's the first one's good. I wouldn't say great. The second one's just painfully okay, but super forgettable. The third one's great. That Christmas vacation I love. Yeah, yeah. Christmas like, vacation is just a weird boot. Like that entire like as be on vacation, which is good. Like the rest of that series is just so bad. Oh, it's terrible. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like Christmas vacation shouldn't even exist. But like, they in I, that series. I think a lot of those people would um admit to that that fact. So You think so? I think so. That and then they, there was the remake. People forget about that one. Oh, with the Ed Helms? Yeah, I never I never never got around. I never that. saw that one either. Um, Alright, Mario. We have our work cut out for us next week. John Hughes. Buyers forget. Oh, John Hughes wrote the first three. Huh. Didn't know that. But we do have our work cut out for us. It's going to be a tough and one. And if you want to talk about the work that we have cut out for us, you can tweet us at Film Pivotal. Uh, or you can send us an email to pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail.com, which I haven't checked in a long time. I wonder what's happening. On I that. haven't checked our Twitter either. Um, I just don't like Twitter in general. Every time I go on Twitter, I'm just like, oh, man, all these people are stupid. Yeah, I don't. I, um, and, and, and I realize I'm also on Twitter looking at the stupid people, and I'm like, I'm one of those stupid yeah, people. Yeah, that's how I feel also. Is that like I, I have four people who I check their Twitters on a regular basis, and I don't ever go on their account. I just go on like the Google where it like drops them down. And they're all for really complicated reasons, but I always feel like a jerk. Because like I have no involvement with Twitter, but I'm like, oh, I do have involvement with Twitter. It makes me sad. And I so. lost you at four people whose Twitter I checked. Oh, that's okay. I was just saying it makes me sad that I check them, even though that's like the only way that I'm involved with Twitter and our Twitter account. But, um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. No, you know what we're gonna find is that next week after we watch our movies, that none of this matters. Because. Because Timmy Failure will have such a profound impact on my life. You know what? It might. Timmy Failure is great. <laughs> Timmy Failure is great. You're, you're setting it up. You're setting it up. I am setting it up. Uh, All right. So um, 
we will talk to you next week. Um, until then, watch your movie. This doesn't work. It doesn't work this week because I just had a coke. Watch your movie. Drink something out of a can. Yeah. And we will talk to you next week.